This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Micah Parsons on his podcast, The Edge, fake analysts, and uh, talking about that Bills-Cowboys game. We had a former Cowboy also who shared his thoughts on Micah Parsons right now defensively. And let's get in to an early Bills preview as it's hour number four of the G-Bag Nation. Happy TD Tuesday and a toxic Tuesday as we're 40 minutes away from LA Live. Zach Wolchuk alongside Brian Broaddus, Eric Chiafalo, Lucius Alexander. We got Carter Freeman running that video. And of course you are. Turn it on leave it on listeners. We appreciate you. Hashtag Tolo. Thank you very much for rocking with us here on your home of the World Series champs and your Dallas Cowboys 105.3 The Fan. Micah reacting to that game against Buffalo and he did give the Bills a lot of love after that 31-10 beatdown. And we never said the Bills were a weak team. We always said they were a really good team. They just weren't producing to the level they they should be. And they produced at that level back-to-back weeks. They arguably could have beat the Eagles. They arguably could have beat a lot of teams. They beat the Chiefs. I mean, they're beating good teams. The Bills have always been good. It was just the turnovers, the beating themselves. But they never, no one ever said the Bills were bad. And that's just the reality of it. James Cook had a career night, bought out, you know, and that was the first time we gave up over 100 rushing yards to a player before. Uh, And that's just reality. I mean, Josh even said, I felt like a kid that didn't do anything in the class, in the the class project and still got an A. Josh Allen didn't beat the, there was a great team win. It sure was. And look, I get it. There were people that were talking about, well, the Bills aren't even that good of a team. And if the Cowboys won that game, they still hadn't beaten a good team. I, I think, and I stand by what I said last week, there isn't anybody in the AFC playoff picture that wants to play the Buffalo Bills right now. And I didn't have any hesitation of putting them at third in my power rankings, which are a right-now thing. It's a week-to-week deal. That's what power rankings are. The Bills look very different now with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator and Sean McDermott, who was getting a lot of criticism with that story that came out. But now he's tweaking some stuff defensively. They're getting a little bit healthier. Offensive line's playing really well. They're taking some pressure off of Josh Allen because James Cook now is running the football really well, so he doesn't have to be Superman. That's going to help the turnovers. Bills are, Bills are good. That was going to be a tough matchup. It's not a good match for the Cowboys. And I wonder, yes, you are playing against two teams coming up in Miami and Detroit. They can run the football. Yeah. But schematically, you talked about it when you saw the, the film there, Brian. The Bills had a really good game plan did. for the Cowboys. They did. Can other people emulate that game plan to as much success? You talking about defensively or offensively? Offensively. Oh, sure they can. You know, it just it but the the thing about it is you have to be you have to stop Dallas's offense. We said this earlier when we were doing Krusty's Corner, and I believe this with all my heart. Your best help for the defense is your offense. Because if you find ways to – nobody's run the ball on Dallas when they scored 35, 40 points. No, because you can't just – you got you feel like you need a throw Carolina to keep up. Tr- Carolina tried. 
Carolina tried to do that, right? Would they lose that game, 30-13, to 13, mm-hmm. something like that? Carolina ran the ball well enough, but they couldn't sustain that. You know, they're trying to help their quarterback, and they had some, uh, some success running the ball. But if you don't, if you don't score right along with Dallas, if you don't have a defense that can, that can shut Dallas's big plays down and keep them off the board, it's hard for you to sit there and be totally committed to running the football. So yeah, scheme wise, if, if you're a team that's if you're a team that's really good on defense and you feel like that you can play a lot of zone coverage and 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 affect routes and affect the quarterback, you know, then yeah, you can beat Dallas. Absolutely. Because their run defense isn't good enough. You know, they've struggled with that this year. That's the the thing that everybody absolutely fears about playing the Dallas Cowboys are big plays on offense. And, and their pass rush. rush on defense. Absolutely. And Buffalo did not have to deal with any of those in their football game. That's how you beat the Cowboys. You know, but it's it's it you have to be committed to playing. And the discipline that Buffalo played with in their secondary, they didn't get fooled on. And you know, and and Mike McCarthy, this was a game I know, Chief. This was a game that was only about forty percent pre snap motion stuff. I know. And Mike was Mike's one of those guys that said before that he's not gonna run motion just to run motion. And he probably got into a game plan knowing that, listen, they're going to play a lot of zone coverage here. My zone, my, my, my motion stuff will not affect them. But that was very much, that, that game, that, the way that game was called, it was very much weeks one through five. That's what that game plan looked like to me. The only real play that looked like it affected when you're talking about secondary was the play that they missed the Cooks. The route that CeeDee Lamb ran that got uh, Taylor Rapp out of the middle of the field. Other than that, it was pretty, pretty just basic. When you look at, you know, they, they just didn't, they didn't do a good enough job as a play caller. They didn't do anything to threaten Buffalo at all. And Buffalo's like, fine. You want to run the football? Great. You're not, we're not giving up any big plays. You run the football. Mm-hmm. And Dallas was never, and Dallas was never into a point where they can consistently run the ball because they were behind. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, if you want to beat the Cowboys, choke their offense, and then that and that and then all of a sudden be committed to running the football. Those are the two ways to beat Dallas. And we'll see. I don't think Detroit has a defense that can do that. And Miami is interesting. Miami does have a good secondary. Yeah. And they've got Christian Wilkins up front who's pretty good. It, it, this will be a fun test against the Dolphins, who just had a really good win. But the week before, they did lose to the Titans at home. So that that was a tough deal. Now Micah continued to talk about. These fake analysts, as he calls them, that really love to just poke fun at the Cowboys after losing. Everyone just waits for the Cowboys to lose. I saw multiple analysts, people who are fake analysts, who somehow got jobs on TV saying, there goes your boy. Like, oh, there he is. That's the person we've been waiting for. It's almost to the point where it's like almost sick. Former players are waiting for other current players to fail so that way they have something to talk about. It's not even to just get into names. I mean, I feel like at this point, you kind of know who you are. And it's like, why do you want a person to lose so bad? It seems that a lot of people... People are just waiting for people to fail. I hear what he's saying. I think it's they want their opinion to be right. Yeah. Like Dan Orlovsky, been an anti-Dak guy. He wants to be right on Dak. Right? People sure. that people that have been against Dak, mm-hmm. people that have been for Dak, you mm-hmm. know, Bobby, for instance, when he's playing well, it's awesome. You right. can you can go ahead and run with that. You can be a front runner with your takes. Like, look at me. I was right the whole time. As soon as he has a bad game, we see it on the post game every week. 
There was nobody that was shredding back the last five weeks when he was playing great. Right. As soon as they lose a game, now he's not the guy. Told you. Right. Told you. Dak's not it. Yeah. No, they were laying, waiting in the weeds, you know, and the, the, the folks that are the big fan. See, nobody will admit when they're wrong. Nobody wants to say, you know, hey, I was wrong about this. Not in our business, they don't. I, I, I will say this. I've been wrong a lot about things, and I'm willing to step up and say I was wrong about Terrence Steele, wrong about maybe Mike McCarthy as a play caller, wrong about, you know, there's things you have to admit to, you know, and you try and learn along the way. It's like, okay, what's different? What's different now about the, you know, the play calling, you know? It, it is, you know, is it because of Brian Schottenheimer? Is it because of Dak Prescott? Is that, you know, you have to be honest with yourself, but you have to be honest with the people that are following you too. But there's a lot of people that won't, they won't, they won't get away from that. They're so dug in that they don't want to admit that they were wrong. And that, that, I think that's a lot of a, that's a lot of problem in our, in our uh, media right now, that admitting that, you know, you're wrong because people won't do it. You feel like they're going to lose your job when you admit when you're wrong, you know. There's times you can you're be wrong right. a lot. You can be right too. Yeah, you can be wrong a lot about this football. You can be wrong. I mean, any sport. You're talking about the sport, especially when you're talking about the way these games are played and stuff like that. You know, you, you give your best opinion of how you think. You know, I thought Dallas was going to beat Buffalo. I really did. You know, I thought Dallas would find a way to, you know, to to go up there and play with some, you know, play with some grit, some toughness, find a way to get a road victory. And, you know, in a difficult situation. But, you know, it didn't work out for him that way. Yeah, a lot of people have been calling for, hey, Micah should have played off ball. See, this or is what I – played this, some this, linebacker. This is where I don't – this is the problem, folks. Here's your problem. We have to be careful here. Because Micah Parsons' best position, in my opinion, is an edge rusher. I agree. He's a and, – and, and you will get people when you wanted to talk about – there was a game where Micah Parsons go back, and this comes from our friend John Owning. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely right about this. John Owning does a hell of a job. Love John Owning. John Owning goes, go back and watch what Micah Parsons played off-ball linebacker against Green Bay and what Green Bay did in the rushing attack that day. What they did to you, how they ran the football. You know, Micah Parsons, and a lot of you folks out there, when you argued back in the day or early in the season about Micah Parsons playing linebacker we're screaming we're screaming that he's not a linebacker now he's a linebacker to you no Micah you're right Micah Parsons best position is, is a rush in he is the problem That's what makes him special the problem was the problem was that when Micah Parsons had to play defensive end and, f- and defend the run he's not as effective so our Marcus Spears, who you, of course, were part of that draft class when Marcus Spears was selected with the Cowboys. 2005. 2005 yeah. Does an excellent fellow LSU Tiger. Yeah. Does an excellent job on ESPN. Uh, has given the, the station and you a lot of love in the past. Marcus yesterday was on Monday Night Countdown talking about Micah and how he really just needs to learn how to defend the run. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this. I love Micah Parsons. One of my favorite players. I love Uh-oh. him as a dude. Somebody got to coach him how to defend the run Uh-oh. when he's on the edge. And, and I know nobody want to say it because we, we, to, we, we talk about how great he rushes the pass. Nobody can defy that. But if I'm going to talk about other players that, that have parts of their game where I, I see as a weakness, if he's going to play the edge in Dallas, he has to learn how to set the edge. He got to learn how to stop putting his shoulders in the offensive lineman and use his hands and be effective in that regard. And when they don't block him, he has to be able to understand how to affect plays in that regard. So a lot of this... 
about Dallas, to your point, RC, is mentality and how we play. The most devastating thing was that for me. Physicality, and more importantly, they didn't even look like they knew how to fit the run. Yeah. More more than anything. And that, that's something we'll get into and, the uh, interview. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. And, 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 and by the way, Dallas has outstanding defensive coaches. They really do. Uh, you know, AD, those guys, they do a hell of a job coaching those defensive linemen. But Micah, he, Micah's best position is playing as an edge. That's, that's his best position. I mean, off-ball linebacker and stuff like that, to me, you know, you waste. You waste. I, I want to put him at, as close as I can to the football. I want, I want him attacking the ball. You know, I don't want him having to play in coverage or read blocks. I mean, I, I don't want him to have to do that. I but, agree. I agree for sure. And so be careful what you're wishing for here, folks. Because you, you. Well, I don't think they're going to do that. No, I mean but, maybe situationally we, a couple of snaps no, here and there, uh-uh. but I don't think they're making that move full time. No, no, you you cannot fix what's happening to your defense right now, because what Dan Quinn's trying to do is mask the issues that they had when you lost Diggs, when you lost Overshone, when you lost Leighton Vanderesh. He is trying to put band aids on amputations right now. Is what he's trying to do. These these guys, whether it's Bell, uh, you know, whether it's Curse, anybody that's having to play in the box weighing 216 pounds, dealing with with offensive linemen 318 pulling, coming off double team blocks and stuff like that. Come on, man, really? You know, he he's he is absolutely doing his best. He even tried to slant his front the other day, and just 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 so he wouldn't have to go toe to toe with people. You know, he tried. It didn't work. Buffalo had a great plan. They ran the ball well. They were committed to it. But Micah Parsons is a is a generational pass rusher. Facts. Yeah, and and, on, and, and I would say just generational disruptor. And, and, yeah. and I think he – I almost think, and it might be semantics, but just even saying like edge rusher, I, I just think he's a line of scrimmage player. Yes. And one of the things they should have done more of versus the Bills, and I would like to see it versus the Dolphins – for different reasons, but versus the Bills, he's just on the edge and he, they're able to just leave him unblocked and he doesn't really know what to do. Yeah. You saw a couple of plays where they put him down there over the center. Yes. Even on run plays. Yeah. And he's at least just blowing crap up. You know, he's not necessarily going to make the tackle right there, but he's such a disruptive force and he's able to penetrate so quickly with his with his explosiveness. He should have been in there. I think he affects the play more than just sitting outside. They know he's on the edge and, okay, we can run away from him. We can leave him unblocked. He's going to be worried about Josh Allen maybe pulling the ball. And so we can, we can render him sort of useless. Dan Quinn should have probably used him more in those A-gaps and just let him blow crap up. And I think versus the Dolphins, it would be a nice move because they're dealing with a backup center right now too. Like you just you ruin a center's day when he's got to he's got to look at a bunch of Micah Parsons there hovering over him as he's trying to make the checks and he's trying to snap the ball and all of a sudden Micah Parsons is right there. I think that's where he needs to be, just a line of scrimmage player. Right. I don't know if he's on the edge or if he's in the A gaps over the center or where he's at on any given play, but that needs to be mixed in more. And we've seen them do an excellent job of moving him around, and they they didn't do that as much. But I I, I love that. I think I agree a hundred percent. Instead of off ball, where I don't think that he is the same player at all. I know no. he did that at Penn State, but that's a big reason why when we went back and we watched the Penn State tape, we weren't necessarily oh my gosh, you drafted another off ball linebacker. This dude is a game changer when he's on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. 
put him the, the, as much as you can put him close to the ball. That's where Micah Parsons needs to be. And Eric, you're absolutely right. He's a disruptor, and and, and he is a he is a wrecker of scheme. You know, and there's reasons why that 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 coordinators during the week figure out how are we going to stop number eleven. Because that that's that's the main guy you have to deal with, and if you put him an off ball linebacker, you're doing you're doing those offensive coordinators a favor. Yeah, and and here's the tweet from John Owning in regards to last year, week ten yeah, yeah. in Lambeau, they ran on you pretty good. Micah played 51 snaps off ball and 10 snaps on the line of scrimmage. The Packers ran the ball 39 times for 207 yards. And so he writes, not only did Green Bay still eat on the ground, but Parsons' impact was totally nullified. He had one pressure, four tackles, three stops. So that was, the I, I guess, the last full game. Maybe it was the Giants game this year, too. You saw him off ball yeah. a little bit, and he yeah. was... He, not he happy did, about it. Yeah, he was not happy. He was good in coverage, actually, on Saquon Barkley on a couple yeah, of plays. Sure but, was, yeah. But, uh, but the off-ball spot there in Green Bay last year, it still wasn't enough to... To change anything for the defense, yeah, because he's a guy you've got to account for. You know, much like uh, some of these other game-changing defensive players, like Troy Polamalu, for instance, or you know when uh, Charles Woodson was winning defense. You, you need to know where is where is forty-three. Yeah, right. Where's twenty-one? Where's eleven? So if I know eleven's over here playing right end all game, you don't have to play him off ball. But here we go. He's lining up over the guard. Yeah. He's lining up over the center. Now he's flipped over on the left side. You know, you, you, you can have fun with him by still being a line of scrimmage player, and the offense now has to be like, well, where the hell is he? Yeah, yeah and, and in a game like uh, like Sunday, if he is going to be on the line of scrimmage, he needs to have the, the awareness to say, okay, we can tell how the game's going here. I don't need to just totally try and get upfield every time like like you're expecting pass when they're just running the ball every play. Yeah, and, That's and a Micah that's, thing there. That, that is a Micah thing, and him and Osa and some of these other guys that also get caught upfield need to, you know, that, that's something I'm sure they've watched the tape and they're working on this week because they can't do that against Miami or they're going to get toasted with the way they run the football with all the motion and the shifting that they're going to do there with Mike McDaniel. Let's talk more uh, about the Dolphins. We'll get into that preview and uh, let's do some more with football's finest. Yes, commercial free till the top of the hour. We'll get you some LA Live and some football trivia for my guys next year in the nation. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. They were calling him uh They were calling Jalen Hurts a fullback that wears hoop earrings. That's what they were calling him on Twitter last night. This is from Eagles fans, just eviscerating him. And the Eagles falling apart in a huge way. Cowboys still have an opportunity to win the division. That is fantastic. Welcome into the G-Bag Nation on a TD Tuesday, Toxic Tuesday, and LA Live with Lucius Alexander coming up in about 15 minutes. We are commercial-free here. The Expressway brought to you by QCKinetics.com, non-surgical regeneration treatment care. And uh, we'll take a look at these dolphins here in just a moment as well. But, uh, fellas, I did have a couple of questions for you. Uh, over the weekend, uh, we remember the Chargers. I guess this was Thursday night. The Chargers getting shellacked by the Raiders. They uh, they gave up 63 points um, in that game, did the Chargers. The week before, the Raiders didn't score any, right? Yes, that is true. That is true. 
the Raiders go from a bagel on the scoreboard to 63, and uh, Brandon Staley loses his gig because of it. Now, how many times do you think in NFL history there's been a team that scored 63 or more points? Oh, man. The history of the sport. Uh, Four times. I'm going to go with nine. Okay. Walchuk, you are closer. There's ten. Okay. There's ten occasions here. Two of them have come this season. Because you Broncos had the Dolphins put up Dolphins seven. Game. Yeah. yeah. 70 to 20, I think that was. Yes, it was. Uh, it was 70 to 20. But every other one of these games is like 1940, or it's in the 60s, <laughs> or in the 50s. Uh, did the... Uh, did the at the time the Washington Redskins beat the Chicago Bears? Was it a seventy-three to nothing game? Was that a game? Uh, there is a. I'm seeing a Washington Redskins 1966 seventy-two points versus the Giants, who put okay. up forty-one in that I game thought that, as well. I, I thought there was a. I thought there was a time where the oh the Bears. Okay, in 1940, the Bears put up seventy-three yeah. on the Redskins. There you go. I'm there sorry. Go. Seventy-three to nothing. Yeah. There you go. So it's only happened. I think that was a playoff game. Uh, what you, you might be right because well, it was in De- it was in it was December eighth. So I don't know if they were already in the playoffs they're, by then. They're, they're play- played like ten games. Okay, so that probably was a playoff <laughs> no, I, game. I'm just I'm throwing it out there. Probably not. It was probably a regular season game. But yeah, uh, ten times in the history of the NFL has a team put up sixty three or more points, and you've had two this year. Wow. Uh, and then the rest again are in like the forties, fifties, and sixties. That's pretty hilarious. Now uh, another question for you guys. Uh, th- uh, Saturday night you had Detroit and the Lions getting back to form offensively in particular, and they get their center back Frank Ragnow, and that's that's big. huge for them. You I know didn't what? even re- I knew it was big, but I didn't realize it until I heard someone talk about the difference in the splits, like the advanced metrics in the Lions yeah. offense with him on the field compared to with him off the field, and they literally go from a top five offense to a New York Jets, Pittsburgh Steelers, like bottom feeder sewage Ooh. NFL offense with like it's insane. There's uh, there's two players that both centers when we were doing this drafting stuff that I've been really wrong about. Ooh, okay. Travis Frederick was one, didn't have him high enough, and Frank Ragnow at out of Arkansas was the other. Oh, you didn't like Ragnow? Not 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 as a center. Did not, you like him as a no, guard? Not as a first round center. No. Well, uh, I mean, I, how many of these like? I'd be curious out of the centers that you've even when, watched, like Linderbaum. I think you had as a first round guy. I, yeah, but I'm, I mean, how many centers are we really grading as first rounders? Like Nick Mangold when he came yeah, out. There's been there's been a there's pounces. Yeah, yeah, but it's so weird. It's it's one of those things where when you watch Ragnow play at Arkansas, and I know we have a lot of Arkansas people fans and stuff like that that listen to our our station. Man, I I didn't see the athletic ability, and and you watch him. Yeah, I thought he was kind of a what we call a belly to belly blocker. You know, mm-hmm. he gets real close and he kind of holds guys and he, you know, he turns, he gets, you know, but man, he is so much better than that. And I just thought he, I thought he was just, you know, just a, a good blocker. But man, he's the way that he gets into guys and turns them and we always talk about cutting the defense in half, you know, where he just gets such a, you know, he gets into the guy and then you get a push and then it gives that back that ability to break the ball behind him. He is so much better than I gave him credit for. Lions have done a good job of making those picks where people are kind of making fun of them in the moment, but those players are ending up making a Matt big Millen difference had for a, them. Matt Millen had a bad run with some wide receivers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, when, when they still stunk. But like yeah. the, the this team right now, like Ragnow, first rounder, yeah. they, got, they got a lot of 
bad, bad reaction yeah. for. Yeah. And then this past draft, I mean, of course, like Gibbs, Campbell, Brian Branch in the second round slides to him. But these guys are being an impact for them, making a huge impact, and that's why they're good right now. That's It's perfect because that's my question for you guys. The Lions are the first team since who to have multiple rookies with eight or more touchdowns because right now they have Sam Laporta at tight end, and then they have Jameer Gibbs uh, at running back. They both have eight-plus touchdowns on the season right now. Uh, and there is a team over the last 20 years or so that that also had two rookies with eight or more touchdowns. Zeke and Dak? It was not Zeke or uh, Zeke and Dak. Now, I guess they probably did, but they're not they're not counting quarterbacks, I, I bet. Yeah, this is probably just for skill positions. Uh, so you guys can ponder on that. And it wasn't uh, last year, was it? No, no, okay. no. no. This I didn't is, think like Garrett Wilson and Brees uh, Hall come to mind, but I don't think either of them had both that many. Brees Hall got hurt probably too soon. Yeah. To rack they up the were awesome. So the quarterback's not involved in this, Yeah, right? it's just skill just guys. Skill players. Okay. Just skill guys. Two rookies a good with eight or more touchdowns. It was uh, it was fun to see uh, who that team was. But Laporte has been a monster. Jameer Gibbs has really gotten going over the, uh, the second half of the season. They're starting to use him well. Of course, we'll see Detroit here uh, in a couple of weeks when they come to AT&T Stadium. So uh, just a little fun trivia question for you guys. Let me know when you have an answer. And, the, you know, the texters, 877-881-1053. Let me know, Tolos, if you have the answer as well. Uh, and we will break down Was some, it the Buccaneers? It's not the Buccaneers. Saints? It was uh, the Saints. Who would it have been? Kamara. Kamara and then Thomas. Michael Thomas. It was the Saints. But it's not those two. But it is not Because I didn't two. think that they came out the same year. 2006. The, yeah. Reggie Bush and Marcus or Marquise Colston. Colston. Oh, Marquise Colston. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Isn't that hilarious? I was trying to think of like the Saints are a team that's had some really good rookie impact drafts. Yeah. Man, Reggie Bush and Marquise Colston. I was kind of thinking the Buccaneers with those wide that's receivers that they had. That's how Evans. far back you have to go for that. That's amazing. Uh, we also had, I believe... The uh, the like the shortest air yards of any interception ever over the weekend Saturday. We forgot to mention this. Oh. T Higgins was the highlight, of course, with the touchdown with the uh, for the Bengals. And another moment from that game was the Vikings doing a tush push with the person pushing the tush of Nick Mullins being like 180 pounds. Yeah. Made no sense. It was like the smallest guy on their roster who was doing that. But you had you had Nick Mullins throwing an interception. To a guy that was sacking him. Yeah. Like in the process of a guy sacking him, <laughs> he throws the ball and he throws it right to the guy who is sacking. I'd never seen it before. And they've done some uh some science on this and <laughs> forensics, and they've concluded that the Nick Mullins interception went two and a half footballs worth of length, which is twenty seven and a half inches. It was a 27 and a half inch interception. He threw the interception to the guy that was also wrapping him up and sacking him. It's probably the worst interception of all time. That's amazing. And we got to witness it over the weekend. Very, very exciting. Big Nick Mullins. And then, of course, you had Derrick Henry having the fewest yards on 20 plus touches in NFL history. We sort of touched on this yesterday, but nine carries for 16 yards. Um, excuse me, 16 carries for nine yards. Uh, even worse. So. Uh, shout out to Derrick Henry and company, and he's already talking about moving on now. He's moving on from either the sport of football, and that, that's a game that'll make you want to move on from the sport and move move on from your team. Uh, now, we have Tommy DeVito 
who is known as Tommy Cutlets, Forget but for today hey, he's... Hey, you let go touchdowns? <laughs> yes, I do. Go uh, beat the Eagles, As a matter of fact. Let me show you a touchdown. The DeVito <laughs> Burrito. The DeVito Burrito. Yesterday... What's in this sucker? He was getting called out by a local pizzeria in New Jersey for saying that, hey, it was they agreed to a $10,000 appearance, and then and then it went up to 20000 and so it was not going to happen. Well, since then, DeVito showed up to that pizzeria today, and I don't believe he received a dime for it. He just showed up good Samaritan style and started, you know, making some pizzas it's a bit back of a bad look. Okay, probably what, his agent. Okay. It was a good move by it's him to do that, guy. saving face. And then I believe he got the 20K bag that he wanted from the pizzeria from the burrito place. Yeah. Mexican fusion. You get paid. Bubba Coos burritos. Bubba Coos? Bubba Coos. All right. So for 60 minutes of his time today, from 2.30 to 3.30, he was rolling up burritos for 20K. I'm not at eating Bubba at Bubba Coos, but I'll eat at that pizzeria. I will eat that pizzeria. Okay, uh, let's talk about these Dolphins. What do you got for us here, Wolchuk? And Broadus, I'm curious. I know, Broadus, you'll have the full breakdown yeah. starting tomorrow. We got offense, corner. offense tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, this is just a very early Dolphins preview, just kind of where both teams are coming into this one. But you look at injuries to key players. Does Zach Martin play for the Cowboys? And we'll get to catch up with Zach on Thursday at 5 o'clock. Does Tyreek Hill play with that ankle injury? He had to miss the game against the Jets. They still looked really good, which I think uh, was maybe a statement for Tua when it comes to an MVP pedigree. But does Martin play? Does Tyreek Hill play? And then can the Cowboys take advantage of some of the injuries that they've got along that offensive line there? I mean, you mentioned Connor Williams, former Cowboy, out for the season at center. Then they were their backup center, I believe, also got hurt. So they were down to their third string center. Is the backup going to be playing? The backup, the backup ended up playing on Sunday. Uh, Liam Eichenberg, who is who was uh, a tackle, right? That they've now moved into center. Like, yeah, he's like tackle, and then is he a guard? And then all of a sudden, now he's a center. He's kind of had to do it all. He hasn't been very good. Uh, and, and the Dolphins, even though they whooped the Jets, they got pushed around big time on the offensive line. Mike McDaniel and the scheme saved him uh, a handful of times, and then some big chunk plays saved him. But the offensive line is definitely a problem. They lost Austin Jackson. The Dolphins did their right oh, tackle they in the just game. Extended, yeah, and he he's been one of the better right tackles in the league this year. He's got some physicality to his game, but he left the game, and I don't know if he's going to play. So you might have maybe one at best two legit starters on this Dolphins uh, Dolphins offensive line for this game, and so that's going to be that's going to be a huge factor. And we've seen the Cowboys. I mean, one thing that we have praised them for doing is this coaching staff has taken advantage of some weak links on opponents. Now, last week, hey, credit Buffalo. They played well defensively. We thought we could take advantage of their secondary. I thought the Cowboys would be able to take advantage of the middle of the field specifically because they have struggled there without Matt Milano. They went ahead schematically. Sean McDermott made that tough on Dak Prescott. They were not able they to did. get anything going offensively. But now we talk about the home and road splits. You got a team in the Dolphins that have actually been pretty darn good at home. Despite losing to the Titans, they're now 6-1 and one at home this year. They've scored 70, 42, and 31. They're averaging 35.8 points per game at home, whereas the Cowboys are averaging just 21.7 points on the road with a combined 20 points and losses to Buffalo and San Francisco. So you're going, you're, you're struggling on the road, and you're going up against a team that's scoring a bunch of points in their home stadium. Yep, and I, I saw this as well from CBS Sports. This is going to be the first game in NFL history between teams with 20-plus combined wins but one or fewer wins versus teams above 500. Wow. So the Cowboys, the Cowboys won in, one in three versus teams above 500. Eagles, and the Dolphins yeah. are 0-3 versus teams above 500. So uh, they beat up the bad teams, and they, they lose, for the most part, to the good teams. And something obviously has to give here, but it's a little bit of the Spider-Man meme 
with these two teams pointing at each other. Like, can you beat anyone that's actually of quality, like a playoff team? Can you do it? Neither one of these teams has really shown that they can consistently. And as Cowboy fans really down on themselves, like they can't go on the road and beat a good team, I feel like Dolphin fans are feeling the same. Like we're not going to beat the Cowboys. We, we haven't been able to be any good teams. It's the, This is not a game that historically the Dolphins would win. I was talking about that last week with the Bills. If you like Dolphin fans, you've grown up in a Dolphin fan household with your grandfather you know, ha- hanging out with Mercury Morris in their heyday when they were perfect, the only perfection team that we've ever seen in the history of the sport. I don't think Dolphin fans are expecting a victory, and now we're nervous as hell to play them. Uh, you know, two of those road losses were before the bye for the Cowboys. They were. Where they feel We feel like that offensively after that point in time, Things flip for them, right? Which is why I'm Philadelphia was a Philadelphia is a game. They offense played fine. Offense played. I fine. mean, not you, fine. They, you, yes. you didn't handle you didn't handle the nine one one well no. at the end. You didn't play great. No. You were fine. No, the this this one against Buffalo was eye opening in that way. So, you know, I look at these road games and stuff like that. You know, you, you know I just kind of. I'm just thinking, okay, which, you know, if, if you, like I said, if you stop Dallas's offense or you have a way of stopping Dallas's offense, probably going to win the game. And that's exactly why I'm leaning towards, I don't think. You don't think, but you don't think Miami can stop Dallas, do you? Not consistently, like we've seen San Francisco and Buffalo do. I don't see the Cowboys, and they're the only team in the league that hasn't lost back to back games over the last two seasons. There's something about that. Mike McCarthy's done a really good team with this team after, with, after a loss, they bounced back and performed. I still see concern when it comes to the matchup of the Cowboys' defense against Miami's offense because of all the speed and then the running scheme that McDaniels uses because it is very similar to what you've seen when you've gone up against the Rams and then you've gone up against the 49ers in the past, and they got two dudes that are really good in A-Chan and Mostert. But I don't think that you can say that the Dolphins will be able to stop the Cowboys offensively like Buffalo did. I don't see them putting up two offensive stinkers in a row. And I know there's Cowboy fans that roll their eyes because they don't like Dak. And they don't, I do believe in the offensive changes. They laid an egg against Buffalo. It was bad. I don't think they're doing it again against Miami on Sunday. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was that bad for sure. But the Dolphins' defense has played well, and Dick Fangio pulling the strings. We know that he's a guy that he is— did it to him. He did, he to did Dak it in the Broncos Denver. game. Yeah, sure did. He so sure did. That, that's a defensive coordinator that does strike a little bit of fear into you. Uh, and, you know, since getting Jalen Ramsey back, the Dolphins' defense has been really, really good, save for those final couple of minutes versus Will Levis. Which was Titans terrible. On Monday Night then, Football, that was insanely bad. What's the health of Xavier Howard? Because I don't believe Howard played last week in oh, that yeah. Jets game. No, the Dolphins, so, yeah, they were without a, a, a lot of guys starting safeties and whatnot. Like, the health of the Dolphins I think Javon Holland should be back. Huge factor um, coming into this one. I do think one of the big things, though, outside of the fact that the offensive line for the Dolphins is not as physical with the with the just the health status of him as what Buffalo was, but also the Dolphins have no threat at the quarterback position of actually running, yeah. you know, and I think that was a huge factor dealing with Josh Allen, and and we know the Cowboys defense has struggled over the years versus a, a quarterback that's mobile and willing to run on you. Tua is not. I think that's going to help the Cowboys defensively in a huge way. Right now, it is time to go into the Pimp Cup for a Toxic Tuesday edition right. of LA Live. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's get into it right after the great Rick James, y'all. Well, all right, you squares. Toxic Tuesday. 
liberal. Liberal, 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 happy fun, la la la, human smuggling, fentanyl deaths, forced government euthanasia, la, chopping up children's genitals, la 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 Christmas is less than a week away, right? It is. Am I correct yes. on that? Yeah. Okay. Have you guys been working on that Christmas list? I can sit pretty, boys. Chinooka is come and gone, so I'm good. I accomplished what I needed to do. There you go. There Saturday's you go. a mad scramble, Lucius. Sorry, sorry, oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. There could be microaggressions coming at you, me just assuming everybody does Christmas. Oh, no, no, no. So I want to be respectful to I've, you. I've grown up... Uh, yeah. Well, and I love Christmas. So yeah, well, you know. I got nothing. I feel like the Jewish kids growing up, when you, like, you're not participating and you're looking at yeah. everybody else, you almost like the holiday more. Yeah, I feel you. Hey, I'm just saying. I, mean, like, I'm I can understand be- microaggressions being a black man. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to reach out to you let you know. I love you. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, anybody, you guys else been working on the Christmas list? <laughs> so that means you're going to be working on Christmas Day on the radio show? Uh, no, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking to Wooly Bully. Oh, I don't think anybody works on Christmas <laughs> Day. Oh. Oh. They give everybody the day off. Only, you and I want to go only, we can work? You and I together? some schmucks work New Year's Day, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Brothers, <laughs> hey, you're part yeah, of that. Yeah, Brothers, we work in New I'm, I'm trying to get us. I'm just trying to help us, guys. I really am. I'm I'm but Lucius, you know how it is. Like for me now, it's just all about the kids. Like it, it, is. it ain't about my Christmas list anymore. No one cares about my 100%. Christmas list. 100. Uh, how old are those kids? Three, two, one. Three, two, one. <laughs> you can still get away with doing the real cheap gifts. Yes. <laughs> you know, you got a whole lot of gifts though. Now they might be toxic if they eat them, but you know what I mean. Yeah. They put them in their mouth. Yeah, we <laughs> might were, be lead poisoning. But we were at TJ Maxx or something recently. My my daughter saw like a little pet toy thing, yeah. and she was like, "I want this. Can I put it on my Christmas list?" And I looked at the price; it was like nine bucks, and I was like, "Absolutely, yeah, right. you surely can." You know what? That's what you want. You sure? To, I'm going to talk to the people about yeah. this. We'll get Let's that on get the that list. right now. What do you say, girl? <laughs> See what Santa brings you under that tree. Uh, yeah. Speaking of lists, I have a hell of a list release. List being dropped later, I think uh, early 2024. We'll get into later, but up first, let's do G back of the day. Every day on the fan, we do G back of the day at 2:30. If you see anything floating out there on social media, don't be afraid to hit me up at Lucky Lucius P. Lucius Alexander on Facebook, uh, or you just go to Twitter, find G Bag Nation. You can follow us all, y'all. Our G back of the day winner is Brad Sham. Uh, caught himself being a cheerleader for the team while broadcasting for the team. Empty gun for Josh Allen on third down and eight. Snap is back. Little pressure. He runs out to his right. Oh, get him. Yeah. Get Sam him. Williams. Oh, get him. Broke through and got him. And then Allen just was able to dump it off. Are they ruling a sack or, the, or an incompletion? Should be incompletion. Yeah, he got it out. Yeah. But well, Sam, Williams. Sam Williams was sudden there, wasn't he? He's running the spy there. So he was not rushing. Sam Williams is just going to mirror Josh Allen. And when Josh Allen breaks the pocket, then Sam Williams goes and gets him. And that's exactly what happened. I think I heard myself cheering on that play. Sure did, sir. You did, sir. It's a hell of a punch by Babe, too, explaining what was going on. (laughs) Babe got a hell of a right on him. (laughs) Or is he left-handed? I don't know. I don't know. He's a righty. Right-handed. 
Uh, Toxic Tuesday here in LA Live. I was talking about a list earlier. More than 170 people with ties to Jeffrey Epstein are said Ooh. to be named as court documents have been ordered to be unsealed. Uh oh. Merry Toxic Christmas. Tuesday. We're starting to see pictures. Toxic. Wow. It's toxic. Wait, bro. The, so, so they're teasing something to like kick off the new year with bro. a bang? Bro, come on, man. It's got a teaser, it's got a release date and everything. <laughs> they saw the success. Are they going to yeah, yeah. drop a couple of names yeah. on a little rollout action? Yeah, yeah. that's the rollout right here. Uh, Let's see. Be like movie credits. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, among them will be staff and victims of the late sexual predator. Uh, uh, a judge has allowed the release of part of a case against, what's the name, Giselle? Gis- yeah, Gislaine Gis Maxwell? I think it's Gislaine. Gislaine? Okay, so it's a case against Gislaine that is pulling this out. We should have been already trying to pull this out, though. Pulling that actually out. could have been the street name for Epstein's island. Well, as a result of this decision, lots of previously known people as just Jane Doe or John Doe in the mm. records will now be identified. Uh, this was a highlight right here, though. Others are public figures whose reputation could plummet. Yeah. Once to identify, identify, what's there identified? Excuse me. Yeah. I got a little too excited it. just knowing all the people that's probably <laughs> on that list, bro. Dude. So this is just people that like are for sure documented to have gone to the island. Or like for it sure, could be, it could be his black book. Could be okay. people that hang out with flown him. People with him. that's probably flown with him. Yeah. Of course, there's people that have been, uh, uh, you know, victims of his crimes yeah. and associates, bro. Yeah. So there's people right here running, running, running. Could be a lot of names of people we are like, what the hell? Somebody better hang out. Better find Russell. What's his name? Russell Simmons right now up in Bali. They don't do extradition. <laughs> better run, bro. I wonder, if, I wonder if folks are... He said it was cheap out there. I'm just <laughs> yeah. telling you, you better run. They're coming I, to get you. I wonder if there's people that are part of that that are actually thinking about getting out of here now while they can Maybe. before that list hits. Just, you know? I mean, just making a run for it kind of yeah. Yeah. A lot of celebrities, man. Yeah. They've been waiting for that list to come out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that list, Mark Zuckerberg is reportedly building himself a $270 million compound in Hawaii. Oh. Yeah, bro little bunker he's building out there in Hawaii. $270 million doomsday bunker. He said it's not doomsday. He said it's a place for him and his family to kick it. Underground where we can't get to, and it has everything to sustain life in that joint. Oh, it's a literal safe house. Yeah. Like, even the volcanoes couldn't do yeah. damage to that thing. Yeah, I wonder if he's on that list. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, are you on the list? That's a tell. I got a $270 million compound. You never come get me. Oh, uh, listen, if you can get this thing done in the next month or so, I'll, I'll kick in another $100 yeah, million, please. please. Please, bro. Uh, what else I got for you boys on a Toxic Tuesday? Hope you're enjoying the ride, people. Yeah. Hey! Uh, my favorite mayor right here, Mayor Eric Adams. He's the mayor of New York. New York City. New York, New York. He used to be a gang member. Yeah. Then he became a police officer. Now he's the mayor. You can do anything you want to. That's why he's one of my favorite mayors. Yeah. You can just do anything you want you say to. Say whatever you want yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, he hangs out at the flyest restaurants. Yeah. Uh, he's getting bottle service yeah. <laughs> at clubs. That's a resume that could go toe-to-toe with anyone. That's wild, bro. Like, can you imagine that unveiling around. of, like, so this is this is the first, this is where I did, and then this is the next, yeah. and then all, whoa, yeah. now all of a sudden you're a, you go from gangbanging to police officering? Yeah. Look at that progression. Like Malcolm Little out here. I think it could happen. Uh, let's see. New York City Eric Adams 
Oh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams made an awkward remark while speaking about the city and how it brings an array of different experiences, which it does. Every time I go to New York, it's amazing. Food is good, too. Yeah. Uh, the mayor sat down with PIX11 News for an interview and was immediately asked, I'm talking about this is off the rip, as soon as it started, was asked if he could describe his year as mayor with one single word. We just need one word from you, dog. Off the rip. Hmm. Listen to my guy. And Mr. Mayor is joining me now, so thank you for being back on Picks and Politics. Thank you. Good to be here. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be, and tell me why? Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center Ooh. to a, a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. <laughs> we just needed one word from you, bro. Just one word. Just one <laughs> Maybe an explanation, but we didn't need that part either. No. New York, where you can experience a terrorist yeah. attack yeah. and start a new business if you would like. It's the beauty of our city. Jeez. Go from a gangster to a mayor. That's my guy, man. The American dream. That's my guy. I got a little, uh, some of his, what is this called? Mayor Eric Adams' greatest hits. Because, you know, he had to declare a war on rats. Remember that guy? Yes. <laughs> Everyone that knows me, they know one thing. I hate rats. Yeah. You know, when we started killing them in Borough Hall, killing. you know, some of the same folks are criticizing us now called me a murderer because I was killing rats. Killing. Yeah. Not exterminating. Well, he might have a <laughs> Just days. killing them, bro. Might have killed the real rats. Yeah, he doesn't like rats because that's his, that's the game. Yeah. You see what, you, you put it together now? Now, it, it now it's good. You put it together it's now? Just, it took me about a year. Yeah. But it's all clicking. He was getting ready to do a press conference that had nothing to do with what he's about to say. Nothing to do with it, but he had to mention it. Listen. One thing for sure, one law that was passed is clearly being practiced right now because I smell some weed. Someone is smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Someone is <laughs> I thought I was going to say reefer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you smell that, you smell that, Marsha? You smell yeah. that? Marsha, that jazz cabbage. <laughs> That's some loud. <laughs> jazz cabbage. <laughs> we need some of that. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marsha. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious, man. Shout out to my guy right there. I remember he was on the 10 10 wins. There was a storm up there in New York. Um, and they put out an alert, but I guess it wasn't like a, ahead of time for everybody. Everybody didn't get the alert and when they were supposed to get the alert, because, you know, alert is supposed to warn you ahead of time. I think this was like a few hours ahead of time. And then he called in the 1010 wins and he said, hold on. Some New Yorkers were saying they were caught off guard. I know Jamani Williams, the public advocate, put out a statement who, again, he, he gave your agencies credit for activating a plan quickly, but questioned why no warning or statement from your, you or your office ahead of the storm. Well, if anyone was caught off guard, you know, they had to have been living under a rock. <laughs> That's not what you need to say, bro. Hey, you didn't see it. That's your fault, bro. You, yeah, out there. you don't follow your boy hey, on Twitter? Yeah. I'm trying to tell him. I don't want a victim blame or anything, but you guys are the problem. Yeah, it's not my job you voted for me. <laughs> That's my guy right there, bro. Just honest. So. Uh, all right, we're running out of time, but let me get this in. Toxic Tuesday here in L.A. Live. That's weed. That's weed. States that legalize marijuana see enhanced college basketball recruitment. Yes study published in the uh, Journal of Sports Economics last week 
looked at recruiting data from 2003 to 2019. This is a long study. <laughs> it's a long ass study. Oh, man, we're taking our time. I lost count, bro. I lost my notes. No, no, I got it. I got it. I got it now. Long ass study. Yeah. Teams located in states where cannabis is legal see an average of 3.7 slot improvement in recruiting rankings. Hey, dude, any way you can win in the margins, man. Oh, that's the key. If I can up my win percentage by 3.7%, I'll change any rule or regulation. You know a selling point, too, for those coaches and recruiters. Dude, you've got a dispensary right around the corner. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they dribble, yeah. deliver on campus, bro. Yeah, they actually deliver. <laughs> they deliver on, I can get it to my dorm room? They love you guys. They get you on consignment. Weed dash. Might be able to get you an NIL deal. Get an NIL <laughs> deal here. With the gas house. <laughs> yeah, the gas. <laughs> the gas house. All right, Toxic Tuesday here in LA Live. Since we're talking about recruiting, Brian Broaddus is a man of recruitment. He's done it all. He's recruited whole families at some point, right? I have. You have. Try and sell the mom. Uh, you've got. Uh, you ever heard of Coach JB? He was on a Netflix show. Yes. I played some of his audio a long time ago. He's yeah. really raunchy. He just he, he says it how he feels. He's nuts. Yeah, there we go. He, he respectfully on the respectful respectfully, side of the yeah, game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, tell me if Coach JB right here is reaching or preaching on his recruiting style, recruiting one on one. He said he'll fire a coach if you can't do this one thing. If you can't go get no, you cannot recruit. Keep it one hundred. And I used to fire coaches. Hey, coach, when the last time you had to, coach, been fired. <laughs> I, I, I'm being real, homie. If you can't get no, you can't recruit. That's uh, number one. We don't want to go out and turn over rocks and find the hungry high school kid. Guess what, dog? You know how many times I've been told no? It just takes the one no to tell me yes. But we're so lazy, we get told no one time. Guess what? If, if, if a told me no, you know what I'd be? A motherless virgin. Preaching. <laughs> you got to sell, man. That's why Walter. Uh, that's why Bronx was like, I got to get to the NFL, man. You've got to, yeah. You gotta be able to sell, man. I'm out of here. Sell. Yeah. This college thing ain't for me. Let me let me go to the pros. Oh boy. Yeah, I was I struggling. Oh with that. JB. Yeah. Bronx is really over on them houses eating cookies and yeah, everything. Yeah. Rubbing Very, feet. No. I, I, <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, Lucius. You need these kids, man. It's, it's amazing that your livelihood was dependent on 18, 19, 20-year-olds, you know? On their decisions. That, that's, yeah, on their decisions. Your livelihood depended on those kids. I can't, man. I look back at the decisions I made at that age, and I should yeah. not be allowed to make those decisions. I should. Yeah. Even if I said yes, yes, they should. Nope. Yeah. No. You should have said no. Yes, dude. A lot of people should have said no to me. No. no. <laughs> no to Just say no. I should have said no to me. Just say no. Uh, yeah, so you said that's preaching. I feel preaching. Him. I feel it too. You got to yeah. have some game, a gift to you gab. Got, you got to have. You, you got to learn you, how to sell. Absolutely, you do. And sometimes in these streets, in this jungle, this yeah. concrete jungle we live out here, you got to be able to sell yourself to the opposite sex, or sometimes the same sex. Have you get down out here, bro? I'm looking at Nick saving a whole new way now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you want? You want a car? Or you want a <laughs> dude? Saving is out here killing it. Ooh, that dude slays. Yeah. This guy Kirby Smart. <laughs> How about Kirby? Yeah, Kirby? What'd he do? Well, he, I mean, he's he just got big time recruiting classes, yeah. which means well, he's that got guy a skill set in the streets. Oh, Kirby. Didn't he? Oh, okay. Didn't Syracuse it's, hire their guy. Yeah, Syracuse just got their guy Brown. So that's yeah. Thing. Yeah. Secondary coach. Yeah. Okay. It's awesome, man. No, the top <laughs> recruiter at Georgia just left to go be the head coach at Syracuse. That's that's 
that's that's a tough thing, man. When you lose good recruiters, that's, yeah, that's tough. That's who's building your squad out here. Yeah, who's let you know who's playing out Those there? Those are the guys getting in the Lafayette, heat. Louisiana. Yeah. That's a kid out there in Lafayette, Louisiana. Yeah. You know. All right, uh, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. That's my time, folks. I'm pulling out. There it is, Lucius Alexander. LA Live every day at 5:40 here in the G Bag Nation. All right, it is a TD Tuesday. We got the best calls in the National Football League from this weekend. Let's do that next. Motorboat them. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.